Danny, we're becoming more aware of our frailty and that maybe helps bond us together as a community. Yeah, leads to more family dinners together. Okay, yeah, that's that's true. We're not out and about so much, but more with with one another. Sorry, I don't know how to uh, do chat box. So Bill, chime in. Be, the world seems to be rejuvenating itself. There's more birds. It's the clouds seem to be going. It's quite interesting. There, there was a Facebook message from somebody in India. It said they can see the Himalayas for the first time in thirty years. Yes, the pollution is diminished, and and the what's around us is being blessed in nature yeah. as a result, which has an ongoing a knock-on effect to all of us. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> Danny, realizing that we're social creatures, yeah, getting more in touch with that sense that's who we are, it's what we're designed for. Well, let me move on, and you can continue to post things there if you like. But it's really really been interesting to me to see how the crisis, the challenge has improved in some ways our sense of community in in our country and i dare say it's true in south africa and wherever wherever we live and you know we've been standing outside our our house at the end of our driveway on thursdays clapping for the nhs like i expect a lot of us and neighbors opposite bringing out pots and pans and colanders to bang neighbors down the road neighbors all around us actually doing that it's been very sweet to see that. Um, something else that's happened to me is that um, I graduated from university in 1983. Believe it or not, I know that some of you think it was only 2003 because I looked that young, but um, or perhaps it was 1933. But um, one of my fellow students from that time uh, contacted me and a number of others of us, and we haven't seen each other for, very, for a very long time. His chap's name is Peter Coates, and suggested that we form a WhatsApp group, and then suggested we have a Zoom meeting. So the last three Saturdays at four o'clock, we've had a Zoom meeting with everybody from our year in the music department of Birmingham University. And we had 20, 20 odd people on those calls, and we've been catching up on 37 years of history, because most of us haven't seen anything of each other in, in 37 years. And it's been really interesting to reconnect. Uh, we're doing it again next week. Um, all kinds of things have been going on in our lives. And just one of the things that really surprised me in a really lovely way was several of the people that I remember having no faith in God whatsoever over the last 37 years have found a faith in God and have found their, uh, a Christian way of living. And some of them even work for churches. And one of the ladies that was on the on the call yesterday who hadn't been on the previous two weeks, turns out her two sons work for Soul Survivor in Watford. And um, and so I'll be making contact with them. And it's it's all these different links and benefits are happening if we open our eyes to them. That God is doing something wonderful, even though this is a challenging time. And I think this psalm hopefully can help us to see some of the ways in which God is going to continue to do wonderful things in us and through us and for us um, in all that's going on. So let's talk about this Psalm 122. First of all, I have three simple points here from do you know where you're going? First of all, where are we going? We need to know where we're going. Where are we headed? When you know where you're headed, it gives you a lot more security in in the journey as we go along. Uh, we need to know where we're going and we need aids to help us along the way. 
uh, perhaps on your, on your phone, you might have something like uh, a compass app in case you need to uh, use a compass. Or if you're going to go old school, maybe you want a map like one of these ordnance survey peak district maps, which are quite splendid. And if you're if you studied geography as I did, you love might love maps like this to show you where you want to go. And that's a fantastic map of the Peak District. We need maps. We need a compass. We need to know where we're going. Otherwise, we get stuck. My, When I was a kid, um, one of our family jokes became a phrase uh, because my father, uh, my father was a geographer and studied geography at Cambridge University, very bright chap, very good geographer, and, and didn't like to use maps if he didn't have to because he felt like he knew the geography of a place. And often on a, on a family holiday, we'd be driving around and after a while, it seemed like we weren't really going anywhere in particular. And my mother would say to my father, do you know where you're going? And or are we lost? And my father would get very um, uh, upset. And his, his phrase, one time he used this phrase, he said, look, I know as long as I keep the sun over my left shoulder, we'll be fine. And it became a phrase. So now whenever we, my sister or I thought we'd got lost, Again, uh, we'd pipe up from the back seat. Dad, are you keeping the sun over your left shoulder? And he would not be amused uh, by that. But it's become one of those sayings in our family. Um, we we do get lost from time to time, right? We get off track. We we lose our sense of direction and vision. And I think a time like this can be a time like that. But we get caught up in all that's going on and forget where we're going. And this psalm reminds us where we're going. I rejoiced. With those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's where we're going. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Remember, they're on pilgrimage. They're going from where they lived to Jerusalem, to one of the great festivals. They know where they're going. They know they're on pilgrimage. They know that where they are now is not their ultimate destiny. And we need to remember that. It's going to help us to deal with this time if we remember where we are going. Keep God's vision in mind. Uh, we need to think about our priorities at a time like this. Do we have our priorities straight? Do we know what matters most in life? Going to Jerusalem, of course, in the for them, the physical city, but for us, that heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. We are not going to a building. We are the building, but we're going to that new Jerusalem. Um, maybe this is a time for us to think about our priorities do we have our priorities straight? A lot of us are very, very busy right now. I I do talk to some people who are who are not so busy, and for this, some people it's more or less like a holiday right now. But for a lot of us, uh, and I found this, I felt like I'm more busy now than I've ever been for months and months and months before this. And I know some of us are feeling that as well. That this is just crazy busy. And in the midst of being busy, we've got to do our best now and again, take a step away and just make sure we've got our priorities straight. And I've had a number of conversations with friends this week have helped me to see this. I was talking to Chris Reed this week, talking to Tim Dannett this week about priorities because I've felt like I've just been so busy. I can't get my head above the, above all the busyness to see whether I'm, am I doing the right things? And I think it's important for us as people of faith to ask ourselves whether we've got our priorities right every now and again. 
take some time away to think about that. I realized I hadn't spent any time with my son recently. And I was uh, and talking to Tim and, and Chris, I, I realized it was burdening me that I, I've been so busy, I hadn't spent time with him. And so the same evening I'd spent a time chatting about this with somebody, uh, with Chris, actually, I said to Fred, my son, I said, do you want to watch a movie? He said, yes. And we sat down on, Saturday, on Wednesday evening and watched uh, the most recent Star Wars movie, which, you know, I'm not that interested in, but it was fun. And we had a good time together doing that. And uh, along with him uh, explaining it all to me because he understands everything about all that, which was just as well. And at the end of watching the movie, I thought, because I, I had some other things on my list to do, but I thought, no, this was what I needed to do. This is what I needed to do in my Wednesday evening. And again, just to remind us, we need to be thinking about our priorities. The priority for the pilgrim here was to get to Jerusalem to worship there. And in his mind, it was almost like he was already there. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. The literal translation there is a little different. The literal translation is our feet have actually been standing within your gates. Our feet have been actually standing within your gates. So it's like, it's like in his mind's eye, he's already there. He's still on pilgrimage, actually, but it's like in his mind's eye, he's already there. And I think that's part of the reason why we pray and read our Bible is to, is to remind us, is to get us ourselves a vision of what it will be like to be with God forever that sustains us in this life now. That's at least part of the point of doing those things. We're going to that new Jerusalem, as it talks about in Revelation 3. Um, I'll make them a pillar of the temple of my God. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my, from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Or Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We're going somewhere beautiful, glorious, amazing. We need to remember that's where we're going. We're not there yet, but, but let's imagine that they, that's where we are. That will help us to be sustained while we're going through this time of pilgrimage, which indeed we are. So he rejoices because he knows where he's going. And because of that, he's able to walk with hope. And we're able to walk through this life with hope, despite what's going on around us. So that's where we're going. What is it like where we're going? That's our next question. And the next part of the psalm tells us this. Jerusalem, what's it like? It's like a city closely compacted together, where the tribes going, are going up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel, there stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Now, two things here about this. The first is, uh, it's like a city that's closely compacted together. Uh, it sounds like there's no social distancing uh, going on in the New Jerusalem. But he's talking about the city there. 
And I put out uh, this week a few questions about this song to see what other people thought about it. And I got this reply from Martin, from Charlie Hines over in Dublin that some of you will know. He said, I think the idea of a tightly compacted city is one easily defended against an enemy. Narrow, winding streets don't allow for easy access for soldiers. They are easily blocked, causing pinch points, confusing for strangers to negotiate and so on. Also, the sense of unity from being close together, shoulder to shoulder, side by side, with our beloved, with our beloved, defending our homes in times of war and in peacetime, a sense of closeness and community. I rather like that. Thank you, Charlie. So it's easy to defend, and it's a place where we can enjoy close community. I think that's right. And it's a place where we can enjoy close community, and we, we preempt that now. We live it now to be able to enjoy it even more later. And then it says it's where the tribes go up, all the tribes. And I think what he's emphasizing here is this is a place where it's not just one tribe. It's all the tribes. We're all going there together. Now, if you know Israel's history, you'll know that the 12 tribes were very, very different in character. And I haven't got time to read it now, but you might like later to have a look at Genesis 49 or Deuteronomy 33, where we have different descript description of the different tribes and what they're like. And they are very different. If you look at Israel's history too, you know, Judah was very different from Simeon, very different from all the other tribes. It, this was a place where everybody could go, no matter what their tribal background, no matter what they were like in different character and personality, worship God together and be a community. And this is what God is building among us, not only here in Watford, obviously, but across his kingdom, across the world. He's building a community, a community of people who are admittedly very different. And sometimes, frankly, they don't always get on. I mean, Israel's tribes didn't always get on very well. And let's face it, sometimes even Christians don't get on very well. We rub each other up the wrong way. We hurt each other. We mis make mistakes against one another. We, we're just very different. We don't understand each other sometimes. This is just the way we are. And yet we can still be one. We can still be unified. Another psalm of ascent that we're going to come to later in this series is Psalm 133. And that's the famous psalm which says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. That's the vision there, God's people living in unity. And Jesus' vision is the same for us. In John 17, he prayed that we would be one just as the Father and he are one. It's up to us to maintain the unity that God has given us. God gives unity. Our purpose is to be, our, our uh, responsibility is to be in tune with the spirit of unity such that we then promote uh, uh, that unity all the more so that other people can know that there is a God. And whilst we are somewhat isolated at the moment in our different homes, it means we need to approach the issue of being unified in a, in a different way. We need to work hard at it. And I suggest, at least for me, what that means is it means being in really good touch. It means not waiting for someone to call me, but for me to call somebody else, whether it's on the phone or, or using video technology. We have all these tools. Are we making the most of them to maintain and promote the unity that God has given us? If we have something against one another, let's practice Matthew 18, which talks about how uh, if your brother or sister sins, 
go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you have won them over. Let's win one another over with kindness and gentleness and honesty and truth and grace and love if we need to. It's funny, even though we are socially distanced, we can't hurt each other. There are different ways to do that via an uncaring text or a miss or forgetting someone's birthday or just there are different ways to hurt each other. But we can resolve it with the spirit of Christ. There's nothing needs to stand between us. Just like all these crazy tribes could go to worship together so we can be unified too. And that is part of what it's like where we're going. It's, it's unified there. And the other thing that's going on in this place in Jerusalem is the psalmist says, there stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. And I thought this is really interesting that David's saying here, one of the things about Jerusalem that, that I'm looking forward to is judgment. That's an attractive thing about Jerusalem. There, the, the thrones are there. Judgment is there. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't feel terribly comfortable most of the time when thinking about judgment. But I don't think it's a negative judgment at all. I think what he's talking about is that's the place where wrongs are put right. So David himself would have had a throne in his palace for judgment, and he might have had a throne uh, by, the, by the city gates. That was often where those thrones were. And the thrones there were there. They were there so that difficult cases could be brought to the king and he with his wisdom of his of his advisors could adjudicate on situations to make sure that wrongs were righted and that's really what judgment is about it's about putting wrong things right and ultimately part of what david's saying here is you may not get all of your wrongs righted in this life you may not have them all right put right in your village or on the pilgrimage when you get to jerusalem when you get to be with the king, which, of course, is also a, a metaphor for Messiah, for the Lord. When you get there, all wrongs will be righted. Which means we can have greater peace, even though we are wronged in this life and we may not have it put wrong right now. All of the wrongs that have been done to us will be put right, ultimately, in the new Jerusalem. And that gives us a measure of peace now that we wouldn't have otherwise. So with those thoughts in mind, let me talk about a couple of practical applications we might want to think about for ourselves. And then we're going to take communion together. So since we know where we're going and we know what it's like going to be like when we get there, total unity, total oneness, and all wrongs being righted, how should we live? Well, I think the way we should live is, when he talks about the latter part of the psalm here, we should live in peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. What does he want? He wants peace within Jerusalem's walls. Lee Roundtree sent me this comment. He had family problems, David, if you know him. Uh, but he wanted peace there for his friends and his family. Ultimately, then Solomon would build the temple. At this point, uh, when David was writing, it would have been just the tabernacle there. Louise Miller said this, I think David wrote this in preparation for the temple that would be built by Solomon. He's preparing his people to have joyful, grateful hearts that rejoice together as they travel to God's house. We travel together in peace. We can travel in peace. We can travel secure, knowing God has our best interests at heart. The, 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 the peace, the shalom, the wholeness that God has in mind. 
this we ask for God for one another. When he says pray here, the word pray there is the is the normal word in Hebrew for ask. It's not a formal prayer word. It's more the word a Hebrew person would use to ask for uh, a second helping of bread if he was still hungry. Or he might uh, uh, use that word of asking for directions if they were lost. It's ask for this, ask for this peace, that, that, that those who love you may be secure. We must pray for one another, right? We've got to pray for one another. There, there will be peace in our hearts. That we pray for the Cronia family. We pray for the Edwards family. We pray for everybody I can see on screen here, the Watkins family, the Burke family, the, the Woodheads, the, the Woolmers. I mean, all of you, we, we, we must pray for one another that there is peace in our homes, peace in our hearts, so that we can reflect God more uh, faithfully to the world. Praying for the peace of the kingdom and working for that peace. We studied the Beatitudes not so long ago. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Matthew 5, verse 9, being a peacemaker. Could we be a peacemaker? Could you be a peacemaker for someone in this community or even someone not in this community who could become part of it, perhaps helping them make peace between themselves and God? We can still do that online. Seeking the prosperity of others, the shalwa in Hebrew, prosperity, tranquility, ease. The root meaning of that word is leisure, a relaxed position of one at peace with God and confident of his provision and protection. Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7 says this, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Praying for one another's peace, praying for one another's security, and for not only for, we're not doing this just for us, but for those, well, our family and friends, as he says here, I will seek your prosperity. Vision. Just to conclude, just to conclude, uh, our vision really matters. Where we're going, having a vision of where we're going matters. Knowing what it's going to be like when we get there matters. And then deciding, well, what does that mean for me now? How can I live in such a way as to honor where I'm going and what I'm going to find there in this life now? We have a great vision before us. In Hebrews 12, it talks about this. And I'm going to finish with two scriptures and then pray. In Hebrews 12, it says this about our destiny. And in fact, what we've already come to in the kingdom. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Therefore, 
Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful for, uh, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So how then should we live? How then should we live? The next few verses in Hebrews 13. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Since we know where we're going and we know what it's going to be like, let's now put our hearts into building the kind of Christ-like community that will endure and build it now, not wait for all this to be over, but do what we can now to, to share with one another the peace of the shalom of God and the security that God gives us because of his spirit that lives in us all. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that we have the opportunity for a new vision for our lives. One that's not anchored in this earth, but one that's anchored in your truth and your love. We thank you that we have a life on this earth and we thank you that we have the, the joys of what we have here, but we thank you that there's something even greater to come. We pray, Father, that as we, as we open our hearts to you now, that you'd help us to understand better what it means to live within your peace, what it means to live for the prosperity of the kingdom, what it means to do this for our friends and our family. Please, Father, make us into the kind of community you want us to be. Shape us and mold us and refine us so that we can be what Jesus had in mind when he, when he prayed for us to be one, just as he and the Father, as you are one. Father, we thank you that we have a, this vision of a new community because of what Jesus has done for us that he laid down his life for us, that he shed his blood for us, that his blood has achieved for us what Abel's blood never could. We thank you that because of what he did on the cross, that we can have access to this community, access to your spirit, that we come to, we've come to know you not just now, but forever. We pray as we take the bread and wine together, that it will remind us and make us ever more grateful for the love of Jesus Christ for us that you'll fill us up with that love of Jesus, that you'll fill us up with that love so that we can pour it out to other people. We pray, Father, that you'll make us ever grateful for forgiveness, for your kindness, your generosity, your mercy to us, and above all, for your grace. We thank you that we can eat this bread that symbolizes his body. We thank you that we can drink this wine that symbolizes his blood. And we pray that it'll strengthen us to live for you now and all through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take bread and wine together.